welcome to this week's teaching from Exchange Church in the heart of Belfast. So, are we all good? Yes. Brilliant. Oh, have you drunk out of that? Hold on, let me just pray. If you're just joining us, I have a number of phobias, right? One of them is, I know as I take a wee drink of Sarah Jane's water, right? That's definitely floaties. Oh, bacon roll for your breakfast? (laughs) It's not Megan. No, it's all right, listen. um, You haven't got COVID right now? Wee bit of toast in there and all. <laughs> I'm only joking. That's stinking, isn't it? It makes me think, actually. It's great to see you. Are you expected this morning? <laughs> um, oh, it gives me the shivers. The, um, so cheeky, you know, but you know what? I'm on the stage, so I can afford to be. And you're not on the stage, so I get to do it. It's, um, it's great to see you. Are you expecting for the Lord to speak to you this morning? Yeah, brilliant. I have an expectant heart because I've got a great message about the Lord is your provider. And everyone said, amen. Thank goodness for that. Actually, do you know what? See, it's kind of funny because um, Penny and I, are, are, the girls go to, with their wee friends to uh, a church youth group on a Friday night. Or not, like a, like a youth club, right? It's literally just a youth club thing. And so Penny said to me, why don't we just go for a wee walk? Why don't we drop them in about, I don't know, whatever time, quarter to seven Let's, let's go out for a walk and just... And then we, we walked past this new place in East Belfast that serves beer, right? And terrible. I said to Penny, I think we should go in there and do some, some, <laughs> some missions work. Let's go in and witness, right? I said, do you feel the Lord speaking to you? I said, I think the Lord's saying the same thing. We need, we need to go in there and witness. So we did. And it's funny, do you, do you find yourself in a place where you kind of go, don't really fit? So the only thing I could describe it is it was actually really nice. And we did, we, we, we prayed over people, people got saved and <laughs> got out of their wheelchairs and all. Uh, honestly, it did happen. <laughs> and, uh, but it was funny, all I could describe it, I, I just thought, oh, we are definitely getting old. You know what, love, we are getting old. It's like, remember when you were in primary school, there was always like a box of clothes. So whenever you paid yourself, you could have. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Not that it ever happened to me. But... You'd be dressed in tracksuit bottoms that come up halfway up your leg. And a t-shirt was about four things too. That'll do you till you get home to your mummy. Remember that? There was always a box if, if you pee yourself close. Anyone? Right. Well, everyone was dressed like that, right? And I looked around and went, Penny, am I the only one here whose trousers reached the bottom? Seriously. And I was looking around going... It's a hard place to minister this, but my trousers actually reach to the bottom. They're not rolled up, and I don't have a beard. I was nudging her going, I told you I should have a beard, because everyone's got a beard. And they're all like stripy t-shirts with tracky bottoms up to there. And Anyway, I just thought, I'm definitely getting too old, you know what I mean? It was funny, isn't it? But uh, we did, we, we had a great time, the Lord moved, and uh, ministered and everything, a lot of kind of stuff. But it, it, it just reminds me, right, it's a bit of a laugh, and, you know, it was good fun and all the rest of it, but, um, you know, it's... It, when, when, when you're in a place and you go, for flip's sake, you know what I mean? Uh, anyone? Yeah. 
Right, well, so the story we're going to do in Luke today is exactly that. So if you've got your Bibles, flick it open to Luke chapter 9. It's people who find themselves going, uh-oh, and the Lord breaks through for them. So, and we're going to talk about this whole area of provision because what I've been talking about in this book of Luke is that, and you're going to learn something new today, all right? So you're going to have to really press in with me because I'm going to teach you something. Because see, when it comes to provision, and in these days that we live in, part of me was going, we were out yesterday buying some trainers and stuff for the kids. And I thought, cost living crisis doesn't look like it in Abbey Centre today, to be quite frank, because we were stuck in traffic, people going in. You know, it was an interesting thing, right? I thought, there's a narrative in the world today. There's a narrative going on. But I, seriously, yesterday, you would have thought, these are the best of times. Because literally, the, the, the traffic was queued, you know, to get into the place. And all the car parks were full. And, do you know what I mean? But what that doesn't mean, so, I, so I, I was kind of wrestling with it going, like, the truth of it is, no, probably none of us here are, are worrying about where our next meal comes from, right or wrong. We're not. We're not in that place. But in one sense, the narrative of the world, right, and, and what's going on at the minute, um, speaks really to something which is fundamental about how we live out our life of faith with God. And it's, what, what is my future really secure? Can I really trust in the grace of God that tomorrow and the day after, I will live in the fullness and the goodness of God? Not just with money and stuff, and we're going to talk about that today, excuse me, but also with, um, you know, it, like, it, you, can't dis, you can't strip, what we try to do, we try to compartmentalize and go, well, I trust God in this bit, but I, I struggle in this bit. We either trust or we don't. He's either good or he's not. Do you, do you get that? And we might have had better testimony in one area than another, but, but what we're going to see today is I'm going to show you something, like when it comes to provision, like... All of you are probably already there. What's about, I have to give in order to see God give back. Now, I'm going to take it a right a step back and show you something that Jesus was demonstrating in one of the most famous passages that we all know. It's the feeding of the 5,000. But there are, there's a couple of layers to it, which certainly I had never heard anyone preach until I started to... to I just had this moment of going, there's more to this. There's more to this. And I felt the Lord say, remember I was saying on the healing evenings... Um, that if, we ask, if we're asking the question, will God do or does God do, we're asking the wrong question. We need to be asking, what is God like? What is his character and his nature? Because he never acts inconsistently with his, with his character and his nature. So what we have to do is we the revelation of Jesus in our hearts is Jesus becomes bigger. It's when I say who he is and what he has done, when, when that becomes bigger to you, more real to you, then the fruit of that flows. Do you get that? So we, we, we're not so much caught up in the situation of will I be provided for? Will I be okay? Is my future, can I really trust God for my future? Because we kind of know, well, if this is who he is, he's always gonna act consistent with that. Does that make sense? And that's what we've been talking about in this series. It's uh, for every demand and burden in life, that then Jesus, as the ox, remember in, in the book of Luke, is the one that comes to shoulder and remove the burden. We walk with him. Let me get straight into it, Matthew eleven twenty eight. Are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. And uh, I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn how to live lightly. And everyone went, oh, all right. So 
God is a transforming God. And that's good news for you this morning. If there's something in your life where you go, it needs to change. It needs to change. God is a God who transforms. And in fact, as you even listen to me this morning, you can receive that for yourself, whether it's in your relationships, your physical or mental health, hope for your future, your work, whatever it happens to be. That's the business that the Lord is in this morning is changing and transforming you and your situation for more of his goodness and blessing. Amen? Okay, so let's get into it. So the feeding of the 5,000, everyone knows it. We're going to read it. But we want to look at this mega theme. And remember that remember in everything, you're, you only have two choices when you think about your life today. What does the Lord say or what am I going to do? There ain't nothing in between. Do you get that? A wee bit of the Lord and a wee bit of this because when we live between the two, our own performance negates the grace of God in our, in, in our lives. Do you get that? So the Lord says, you know, when we, if we want to live under the law, you're going to live under the law. If you want to live under grace, then it all flows. And so we've got, we've got to make a choice this morning. Jesus says in John 10, 10, doesn't he? I've come to give you life and to give you life in all of its fullness, all right? And that word there, I've come to give you life, is it God quality of life? Like the kind of life that Jesus has himself, that's why I came. I came to give you life and all of its fullness. That's the truth. And so every single action of the Lord towards you is to remove a burden so that you can live more freely. Because his heart has never changed. Same yesterday, today, and forever. When I look at you, it's for life and God life in you. So let's read this story, and I'm, I'm going to show you a couple of things in it, because it, it's actually, the, 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 there's imagery and there's um, learning in this, which if you allow your heart to be, to be open to it, uh, you'll see that Jesus was actually, oh, it's just, it's just brilliant. He, he was actually showing all the way back to tradition how it was all about him anyway. Okay, so let's read it. So when the apostles returned, they reported to Jesus what they had done. Then he took them with him and they withdrew by themselves to a town called Bethsaida. But the crowds learned about it and followed him. He welcomed them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God and healed those who needed healing. Amen. Late in the afternoon, the 12 came to him and said, send the crowd away so that they can go to the surrounding villages and countryside and find food and lodging because we are in a remote place here. Now, I, I don't know if I've mentioned this. I have been to Israel and we should do, we should do a night on that. Could tell you all about it. We've actually been at the place where this happens, right? It is desolate. In fact, coming down from it, you've got a couple of options. It's actually right up on the mountain, overlooking the Sea of Galilee. And uh, it's incredible. But you're really, really high up, and there's nothing around. You look down, and you can see uh, Capernaum in the distance, and all that kind of stuff. But when, when you're up there, you're like, flipping heck. It's like, uh, it's pretty flat. But you can see right across the Jordan, uh, you can see right down the whole way up the coast. And when we were coming down, we took the hard route because we're like that. And, um, and, and literally at times, they have things in the walls that you have to grab into, right? Like uh, steps, and it's just a drop. You know, health and safety, whatever, all right? I was like, are you sure this is? And the guide was, oh, follow me. And so we all just followed him. He didn't talk like that. That's just my own interpretation of what he sounded like. He was a French German. Oh yes, follow me, uh, guy. Anyway, he's actually American. But there you go. So, so when you're up there, there's nothing. Like it was really amazing because we stood there and went, no way. Like, see when it says desolate place and wilderness, you're kind of going, flip it, beautiful view, but nothing about it, and still nothing there. So send the crowd away. You can drive up the back of it now if you're a wimp. Now, but the rest of us walked. So he replied, "You give them something to eat." They answered. 
right? This is brilliant. So, so here, here, look at the disciples here. Send the crowd away. We've got a problem. I'd rather not face the problem. They're all hungry, but why don't you just get them to sort themselves out? That's basically what they're saying. And the Lord replies, you know, why don't you feed them? Like, how unhelpful is that? Like, seriously, if I could feed them, I probably would. Like, you, why don't you feed them? Right? I don't think he was being difficult, but he was setting them up here. He said, they answered, we have only, now listen to it, five loaves of bread and two fish. Unless we go and buy food for all the crowd. There are about 5,000 men. There's stick the women and kids in. There's a ton of people. But he said to his disciples, have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. The disciples did so, and everybody sat down, taking five loaves and two fish, looking up to heaven. He gave thanks, and he broke them. Then he gave them to the disciples to distribute to the people. They all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were all left over. Can I ask you a question this morning? Truthfully, where does your heart go whenever you think about provision? What happens in your emotions? Think about the bills that you've got to pay, what your future will look like, your pension, your provision, inflation, cost of living crisis, getting into winter and having to pay gas bills, which are astronomical, fuel bills, which are getting higher. Because right? all of that's right in front of us right now, isn't it? That's what we're all looking at. What, what, what kind of, I mean, we can raise our hands and say, all your promises and yes and amen, but what really goes on in the inside? You know, questions like, will I have enough? Like, will it run out? Can I really trust? No, it's, it's really um, interesting that this whole thing around future and provision and safety and being provided for is one of the biggest impactors on, or has one of the greatest impacts on mental health and physical health. People spend a lot of time, okay? It's a huge source of stress. All, I'm not even gonna share that. There's data on that if you wanna go and look at it. It sits at the root of a lot of behaviors, ethical and otherwise. This need, why? Because we're hardwired for safety. So after being, you know, our, our, one of our predominant needs after being renewed, the Lord made us this way, it's physical safety. We need food and shelter and to know that that's gonna be okay. It drives behavior. It's really important. And this is why I think this is such a brilliant story today of how the Lord can lift a burden from you. Because the disciples are a great example of what we're like it. They look at it with Jesus there and they go, no way, it's never gonna work. They have the, the, the Son of God right there in front of them. But by this time, they've already seen miracles happen. But they look at it and they go, no way. And their default is back to a normal, natural view that leads to nothing other than a response of fear and anxiety that doesn't require any faith at all. And therefore, because they're in that position, they're not positioned for a breakthrough. Does that make sense? So it's like, think about this for yourself. It doesn't matter whether it's about provision or anything else. Check in this morning on what is your default response and what do you give your attention to? Because when you look at it and your response is, I, I, this is not gonna work. It's just not gonna work. I'm in trouble or I don't know how this is gonna work. And we default to natural thinking, go and feed them, go and get them to sort themselves out. Right? Their response was not one of faith and expectation that the Son of God in front of them would do a miracle. Their response was simply fear. Why? Because they gave their attention to what they could only work out naturally. Does that make sense so far? So Jesus is going to give them a lesson here. Basically, their thing is go away. I don't even want to think about it. Just go away. 
And I think the thing in that is the Lord could have probably gone, okay, right, send them on their way, but he, he, he was wanting to show them and demonstrate something really profound and teach them a lesson for their future. Their response is only to look with their eyes, their physical eyes, and therefore only see what is not possible, even with Jesus there. Now, let's have a look at some of this imagery. Let me start to teach you, because this is brilliant. And the whole point of me doing this this morning is to help you to get a bigger view of Jesus and what he was doing. Because we've heard this story a thousand times, some of us 10,000 times. But there's, there's brilliant imagery, right? Let, let me ask you a question, right? D- did anyone else in the Old Testament provide bread for God's people when they were in the wilderness? Who was it? Anyone know? Don't say Noah or something. Uh, Moses? I'm just going to... Right, so there's this guy called Moses in the Bible. You won't want to check him out. Had a pretty big hand on bringing God's people out. But he also was used by God for, for Moses and the manna, right? Now, the, in the Bible, there is a number. It's the number five, which we is the number of grace. But also in the Old Testament rabbinic tradition, number five is always associated with Moses. Now, go with me on this, right? And why? Because there are five books of uh, the Torah. So the law was five books. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Jew. Uh, veggie tales, anyone? It's the only way I can remember it. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy. Okay? Josh, all right. So that's how I remember it, because I sing veggie tales to myself. Brilliant. But those, the, 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 the first, so what they had as the law was five books, Okay? called the books of Moses or the Pentateuch or the Torah. That's what they're genuinely called. Now, what we don't really understand because we're not Jews is that in the rabbinic tradition, in the tradition that Jesus was living in in those times, it wasn't a fluke that there were five bits of bread brought to him. He's trying to show us something, okay? The five, because in rabbinic tradition, bread, the Torah was always associated with bread, It was called the bread of God, what you fed yourself with. Do you get that? So the rabbis would have associated Torah with bread. And when there's five, it's a clear picture of the law, the law of Moses. You think about this. The wee lad could have brought one loaf. If it's going to be multiplied, it doesn't matter how much was there in the beginning. Is that right? Could have been 100 loaves. Doesn't matter. In the hands of God, he's going to multiply it. But what he does is the wee fella, it's set up for, you know, it's brilliant. So this is the picture. The picture is this. No wonder Jesus, he starts with five barley loaves because what he's going to do is he's going to show that primarily the disciples and the people will be blessed as a result. He's going to transform the Mosaic law into something much bigger, much greater, and much more nourishing. Right? Are you following me? This is good, isn't it? I get excited by this stuff. What about two fish? Two fish in rabbinic tradition symbolize the prophets. It's the same thing. So what you have here is somebody, this wee fellow and the disciples, bringing the law to the Lord, right? When you have great need, the law is performance-driven living. I do, therefore God does. God does not do unless I do. And what he's saying is this, in your, in, just like in this situation, but in your life as well, whenever you approach that with you and what you do and your best effort, even all the law keeping is never going to feed the people that need to be fed. Do you get that? Jesus is saying, look at the law. It's not enough. It's never going to meet the need here. I'm going to show you something better. Do you get that? 
Same with the two fish. I can't, I'm not going to get into it. So it's about the prophets. And that's what they would have seen. So it's interesting that what is brought to the Lord is, is a life of, you know, performance, a life of worry, a life of self. The disciples are living right into it. We don't know what to do. Even what we've, what we've got in our hands is not enough. Have you ever felt that in yourself? What I've got in my hands is not enough. It's not enough to guarantee five years from now what it's going to look like for me. Anyone? We like to hope what it might look like, but what's in our hands is not enough. Now, what's interesting is this. He, he, uh, that's just for starters. He, he gets them to sit down in groups of 50. I said to the Lord, why 50? All these details that I've never really looked into. So he tells them, what does he tell them to do first? Think about this for your life. Number one, the, the, the point is this. When the, he's going to take performance-driven living, the Mosaic law, and he's going to say it's not enough for this need. So then he tells him to do something. Before he's done anything else, before you can receive from me, you need to sit down and rest. He actually tells him to physically sit down. Why is that? Because folks, listen to me. Whenever Jesus is present, our response is to sit and to receive. That's what he said. Before the miracle comes, you won't get the miracle if what, you have in your, you've got, what you've got in your hand you think is enough. So I'm going to teach you to rest and watch me perform the miracle for you so that you can receive it. So he gets them to rest. He gets them to sit, right? Not running. So when the disciples go, well, why don't we do this? natural wisdom? Why don't we go to here? Why don't we run to there? Why don't we do this with them? Why don't we buy this? All their natural wisdom, worldly wisdom, to try to, what are they trying to do? They're trying to solve the problem with an earthly natural mindset to find provision for God's people. That's, now, it's coming from a really good place. Do you get that? The Lord doesn't, doesn't batter us and go, for goodness sake, stupid people. Have you seen that thing where people are slapping each other with a, what do you call those um, tortillas or wraps? The world has gone mad. Have you not seen it? It's a thing on the internet right now. I just go, have you seen it? So what you do is you stand there and you slap each other with a wrap. What is, what is, the, what is the point, I ask you? Is it sore? Is that the point? Just put the wrap down and hit them a good slap and that's what they mean. How do you get on to that? I have no idea, okay? So, but what I'm trying to say to you is your posture to receive a miracle needs to be one of sitting at his feet and ready to receive. So what he does is he physically positions them into a place of rest so that they can observe him at work. For us, that's a heart posture. Our posture needs to be one of, in order to receive, I need to be at rest. Because if I'm busy doing his work, if I, you could be the one guy who's out running to the nearest village going, well, I'm not sure that he's going to pull through here for whatever your need is. So I'll run to the village when the Lord says, sit at my feet and trust and watch what I'm going to do. How many, what, does he, what does he put them in? Two groups of what? 50? This is, this is cool, right? So anyone know what the number 50 is in the Gematra, in the, in the Hebrew? You know that every, you know, we, we know, don't we? Grace and da-da-da. 50? It's the Holy Spirit, Right? So number, number 50 is, is the number of the Holy Spirit. So the, um, the ascension of Jesus up to heaven, you, you'll know this. Uh, so the ascension, Pentecost is 50 days after the ascension, right? If you don't know this, it's, go read your Bibles. It's really cool, right? There's lots of good stuff. It's also called a, a first fruit fest, a day when the Holy Spirit descends onto the 120, and, and, but it's 50 days after. 
after, after he, he ascends. 50 is a, it's the number of freedom, okay? So even in the Old Testament, uh, 50 is a symbol of, listen to this, freedom, release, and a new cycle. So every 50 years uh, in the Day of Atonement, you know, people needed to honor what was called Jubilee, right? You get that? Brilliant. So it's a day when loans were canceled, debts were canceled, they were forgotten, and uh, your, your, your debt was forgiven, uh, slaves were released, and then all the things, right, that had been taken were turned back to the people that they belonged to. It was a day when almost harmony is reestablished. So that's what 50 means. Do you see the picture that the Lord's saying to you today, right? When you rest, and he puts them in the, in the, get, in the groups of 50, he could have had groups of 10, groups of 100, groups of 200. He's trying to show us something, that there is a day of release and a new cycle for you, away from the patterns of the past. The Lord is declaring freedom over you right now. Are you ready to receive it? He's declaring a new future for you. What he's saying is this, when you rest under my grace, all right, I will break the cycle of obligation, of debt, of trying, and I will usher in a new cycle in your life. That's why he had them in 50. It was the picture of Jubilee. It was a picture of the old is done. The old way of living, working, and thinking will not feed the 5,000. When you are faced with impossibility, God will do the miracle, but he will not do it based on what you have done. He needs to break that cycle in us. He needs to break that thinking in us and bring us to a place where we are in nowhere else other than at his feet ready to receive. That's where, when, you know, that, does, that, does that make sense? Yeah, I need, to, I need to be aware. I want to, I want to keep going here, right? But so th- this symbol of freedom, he says, let me sit you down in restful groups that speak of freedom. Remember, he says in Matthew 11, learn to walk with me and you'll live lightly and freely. I believe in these days, the thing that's gonna mark us out as a church and you as a group of people is this, is that we will live free when everyone else is under the bondage and the slavery of provision and lack. Do you get that? I believe there is a call on your life, not just for you to be blessed, but that people will see the blessing of God on your life and go, how do you live like that in these days? What is it about you? And you can say, it's not about me. I'm not clever. I don't have the financial acumen to work it out. I don't know well, you know, truthfully, I just go, I, I depend on the grace of God every day. I, I sit at rest with my heart at rest, knowing that today, I'm not sure how he will do it, but he promised that he would. And so because of that, I am continually surprised by his goodness, by the doors that open up, by the favor that comes my way. Why? Because I'm good. No, because the law was never enough. The law, when faced with big demand, can't do it, but he will. Amen. I love it. And so what happens? Watch what happens here. In this story, sometimes we, we, we rush over it and we, uh, we kind of... We kind of miss some of the detail. Who does the work here? Well, they're sitting, so they're not running anywhere or walking anywhere. The ones who in faith and trust sat their backsides to the ground, right? Watched as the Lord took and multiplied. And I, I know that that's when the, fear, when the fear grips us today, when the anxiety grips us, right? My fear on Friday night, was I not trendy enough? Seriously? Me with my un bearded face and dad bod. I am just so complete. <laughs> Isn't that right? I just am done. Amen. 
so bad. I'm finished. I don't fit. Do you think they're actually comfortable in those clothes? Can I just ask? <laughs> do you think they're paying a price for fit? Do you think they get home and go, I'm getting this off me? That's right. I bet you they do. Sitting there with their trendy haircuts and beards. And... I even felt bad at ordering what we were ordering because I didn't know whether I was doing it right. You know what I mean? Very stressful. <laughs> we'll have to go back and try it again just to make sure we're doing it. So if anyone's any old uh, tracky bottoms and tight t-shirts won't let me. <laughs> and we white pumps. And it's, it's all the same. So anyway. <laughs> so what happens here? Watch who's doing the work. It's not them. Whenever you rest in a place of freedom, then you're positioned for blessing. Anything short of that, and all you have is the law in your hands, which is never enough every time you don't need to worry about how he will do it that's his job that's not what you need to worry about he is more creative he is more able he is better prepared the, the bible tells us he owns the cattle on a thousand hills not literally what that means is it's all his anyway and he will surprise you the way that he provides for you but you've got to be positioned for it and that positioning starts in here. It's like I said on Wednesday night, it's about your position, not your performance. And what happens? He takes the law, holds it up. And what's interesting is he doesn't go and throw it away. Go, that's not good enough, right? Because there's nothing wrong with the law. and It's perfect. Just completely unbending. Will demand from you that which you can never pay. So he doesn't discard it and go give me something new. He holds it up and his declaration over it is your grace works well. It says when he takes it and he gives thanks, it's that word eucharisteo. Your grace works well. And in that place, he takes what is little to the natural and supernaturally overabounding they see a return back into their lives as they sit and it is served to them. There's a whole thing about 12. I'm not going to go into it now because I don't have time. Okay, But it's interesting for these numbers that are hidden in there are just giving us encouragement in our hearts that when it comes to your provision, right, if you are looking at what you have versus what you need, you're always going to end up with fear, anxiety, and lack, and you'll never see your breakthrough. In fact, some of us have never walked in breakthrough financially because we find it hard to let go of what's in here and simply to, to trust and put our faith in the one who said he will do it. Not that he will, he has done it and we position ourselves for it. And at the point where we go, future looks, at, we, we, we kind of step into the space of it's back to me and what I'm trying to figure out. And the Lord says, stop. If you want to do that, go knock yourself out. You know, I think if the Lord had, if any one of those guys at any stage had stood up and go, I, this is great, but you know what? I know there's a center down the road or whatever the biblical equivalent was in those days, right? <laughs> Spar. <laughs> so I'm just going to go down and get a meal deal. I hope you don't mind, Lord, but I'm on my way, right? <laughs> Can't beat a meal deal, right? He, he would let them go. But he just said, sit and rest and trust. I, is this making sense to you? What was, what was the Lord actually showing us? He was showing us that actually 
we receive the fruit of his work because it's who he is. Wherever he is, if we are in faith that grace will provide, he will take absolutely everything that seems small, insignificant, not enough, lack, and in one moment of thanks, declaring grace is working well, it will superabound so that in your life and in the people around you, it will be overflowing, okay? Not just enough, but an overflow of God's goodness, and that includes your money. Every single time. Every single time. That's why I, I think giving is important. Giving is not about the act of going, I'm giving to you, God, you better give back. It's my heart saying I'm sitting in rest. Do you get that? When I give, I'm in a position of trust. Because now all of a sudden what's in my hand is not enough. But watch what he does. Do you get me? So we get head up on, you know, I, mean, I don't even want to talk about money particularly. Like, do I give this? Do I give that? I don't give it. I'm just thinking you're completely, completely wrong questions, completely wrong approach. When I give, I am positioning myself at rest at the feet of the one who takes them what is left and superabounds it for me. That's what grace does. Do you know why? He's Jehovah Jireh. Can I say my old joke? Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. Come on. <laughs> can, I, can I just, because what actually is, if you want to see, what does Jesus say? If you want to know what your father's like for you, you look at Jesus because he and the father are one. And one of the names that he, remember his name? So I, I want, can I just, does anyone know where Jara comes from? Oh, this is really cool. Okay, so let, let me help you with this. So, because we need to allow the Holy Spirit, I'm do, I'll do this quickly, to remove the, the burden from us, because it's a weight that the, the burden of provision, it's a weight that will break your back. It'll make you sick, actually. And remember I've said, just like healing, the Lord always acts consistently with his character. Always. He can't lie. The Lord can't say I'm one thing and do something else. So one of the names that's revealed, it's all the way back in the Old Testament. See, Jesus says, me and the Father are one. So what he's doing, he's, he's taking the law and the prophets and going, it's not enough for you. It's never going to feed you. Let me put grace into this and it will superabound. And what he's doing is he's demonstrating Jehovah Jireh because the rabbis would have had an eye on this. So Jehovah Jireh is one of the, let me just, let me just go pure teach you. Is that okay? Is that okay for Sunday? Actually, well, it's what you feed on, it's what's going to come out. So Jehovah Jireh is one of the different names of God that you find in the Old Testament. And um, it's, the word Yara is, is, the, is the translation, which means the Lord will provide. You find it in Genesis chapter 22, I think around verse 14. And it's the name that's actually memorialized by Abraham when God provided the ram, right? You know, this is a picture of Jesus. This is what I love about the Bible. When you preach grace, you see Jesus from beginning to end. It was all about him. It all pointed to him. He was revealed in it. And now everything points back to who he is. So back when Abraham, the Lord asked Abraham to sacrifice Isaac, then the story, let me get it. The story begins, right? There's a strange command from God. And he, he's inst God instructs Abraham to kill his son of promise. That's what it's called. Okay, that's what the way that's called. It's Isaac, right? And he has, it's, Isaac's gonna be a burnt offering. So what happens is the next day, Abraham packs up, gets a knife, gets wood, all the rest of it, and they travel to a place called Mount Moriah, him and Isaac, because that's the place that God had specified. Go to Mount Moriah and sacrifice him. So as they, near, as they get near, as you probably would, right? If you don't know the story, let me help you with it. Abraham kind of, well, Isaac actually starts to question Abraham concerning the offering, going, this is brilliant, but where's the lamb? <laughs> Forgotten the lamb, do you know what I mean? And uh, so, 
I suppose with great faith and foresight, Abraham responds to him, doesn't he? And he says in Genesis 22, he says, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And actually, if you read in Hebrews 11, it tells you that Abraham actually believed that God would raise Isaac from the dead. It actually says that back when you go through to, to, to Hebrews. Now, they reach the place on Mount Moriah where Abraham again is demonstrating his faith and his trust because he starts to bind Isaac to the altar. He places it on the wood. And just before Abraham can finish that offering, the angel of the Lord calls to him from heaven and Isaac's life is spared. So he doesn't have to go through with it. It says in Genesis 22, then Abraham looked up and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught by its thorns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed the ram as a burnt offering instead of his son. So at that point, Abraham calls this place Jehovah Jireh because he provides for him in that moment a substitute for Isaac. And then what happens straight after that is God reconfirms his covenant with Abraham, right? And if you don't know, this is what's really cool. Many years later, centuries later, in fact, Solomon will build a temple on this very place, right? Isn't it really cool how it all comes together? Are you following me so far? I know it's teachy, but bear with me. So that, that story, is that just like a dramatic thing where you go, flip me? That's very dramatic, going to kill your own son. But this account of Abraham on Mount Moriah is more than just a dramatic illustration of faith and obedience, if you like. It's more than that, way more than that. It's a presentation of Jesus, right? It's a presentation of provision. It's not like Jehovah Jireh, the Lord. It was, it was pointing forward to the time where the Lord, would, the, the, God the Father, would send his son for us as the ultimate provision for us. You see, we separate out our needs, right? Uh, like money and this kind of stuff. And we go, I haven't. And, and what we need to understand is that hard baked into the character and the nature of God is he provides for it all. In his very nature, Abraham saw that at, at the, the, most, the most fundamental level, God is a provider. He meets needs. He doesn't create them or demand from us. And so it's, it's interesting in Romans 8, 32, what we see is like on the mountain of the Lord, it says it will be provided. And it's our Genesis 22, 14. And that's referring to more than Mount Moriah. Because what happens is this. Mount Moriah is the place where Jesus will be crucified. It's on the same ridge, about 300 meters to the north. So the Mount, of, uh, Mount Moriah, where Abraham goes up, and we see this foretaste, right, of of God providing is the same place that Jesus will be crucified on thousands of years later. Isn't it incredible? And so in that place, what we see, we see is that the Lord years before said, when you have a need, I am the one who will provide it for you. And he was shadowing at that point that his son would be on the same spot as the provision for you and I. Isn't that incredible? And we worry about whether or not he'll look after us next week. Do you not see from the very beginning how he's knit all this together? How he's put all this together? And so Jesus, when he's feeding the 5,000, is calling back that I am Jarrah, I'm the one who provides. And they would have known the story of Abraham. They would have known uh, how, how the, the, the lamb would be sent. And he's saying here, I'm the lamb, I'm the provision. I am gonna do way more than the law could ever do. And you will live blessed because of it. Amen? That's a good word for somebody, isn't it? So what do we do? Let's, let's start to... I actually wanted just to minister to some people this morning on this. 
Because trust requires action. Here we go. Mm. That's trust right there. Chewy. <laughs> Wee bit of egg, what's that? <laughs> Bogging. Sorry, you're allowed to laugh in church. You may come, oh, very po-faced. I know the Lord loves a good laugh. Do you know that? I reckon it was a riot for those disciples at times. Hard work as they kind of went on the journey. But I bet you they had some laughs. I, lo- I love the depiction of Jesus in The Chosen, actually, if you haven't watched it. I love that depiction of Jesus because he's got a glint in his eye. And I thought I could... If I had to mind my P's and Q's around the Lord all the time, because I like to have a wee bit of a laugh too. Like, I'd be in a sorry state. But you look at it, even when he's going to like send a Peter, you know, and Peter's like, he's a bit of a nightmare, isn't he? Flip me. And all this stuff, I'm going, like, I love it. I'm going, yes, brilliant. Anyway, I digress. The point is today, like, see when it comes to provision and you kind of go, you default to, that means I have to give or not. I think we're kind of missing the point. I've tried to dial it back a little bit today to go, Jesus was setting that up for you to go, when you don't live freely and lightly, all you've done is you've lifted up the five loaves in your hand and you're sitting looking at 5,000. That's the picture. How the heck's that going to work? But what you've done is you've lifted this and the Lord says, no, no, sit down. I'm going to take that. You get the picture of him taking the law, right? And almost, you know, going in my hands, I'll, I'll do with the law what needs to be done with it. I'll fulfill it for you so it can feed you. Because remember the law was the thing that said, if you kept it, that's the way the Lord set it up. You keep the law, you're blessed. We go, we can't keep the law. So he goes, put it into my hands. I'll keep it for you, break it up, and then distribute the goodness of it for you. That's cool, isn't it? Anyone feeling encouraged this morning? Yeah? Close your eyes for a couple of minutes. Do we have some sacred paths of glory? Close your eyes and um, take a big breath. You're in the presence of the Lord right now. You're in the presence of Jesus and he loves you. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that right now in this place, you are removing burdens. You're removing fear and you're removing anxiety over this big area of provision. Father, for everyone who has done their best and tried their best, and like when fear is fear, is fear it's hard, it's emotional, it grabs us. But the Lord just is ministering to you right now. And he's saying right back from the very beginning, I am the one who provides. Abraham didn't have a clue, but in his faith and in his trust in the one who called him, he saw at the right time the hand of God to provide everything that he needed. The Lord says to you today, if for years the cycle in your life has been trying, effort, you know, I, I work hard personally. I don't mind hard work. I don't mind grafting. But what I have learned to do is I do that in response to what the Lord puts in front of me. Not because I feel like if I don't, then I'm going to come up short. And I feel the Lord just this morning. We don't need to shout it out. We don't need to freak out. We don't need to 
have a big song and a dance of it. He's breaking the cycle of lack in your life, in Jesus' name. He's calling you again to trust, to sit at his feet when there is nothing else, when whatever you have in your hand is inadequate and not enough. That's probably a brilliant place to be because at that point we turn to the Lord and say, if you don't do it, if your grace doesn't do it, then it's not gonna happen anyway. So I pray that now, I pray Jubilee over you. I speak Jubilee over you. I speak right now, right into your heart. For those of you who have carried this fear and this worry, I speak new release, new freedom. I say that right now, the, in, the slavery of that, the debt of that, I just now release you from it in the name of Jesus. I pray harmony over you. One of the things of the shalom of God is about harmony. It's that sense of it's all okay, it's all in order. And Father, I pray this morning in this place that we would move from lack to faith to trust and we would see your super abounding grace at work. Father, that we would be released in our hearts from the fear of not having enough. Because we know that whenever we give, whenever we put it in your hands, your grace works well. And you super abound in your provision. You super abound. Lord, we can never outgive you. We can, just can't do it. Father, bring us to an end of ourselves, an end of that fear and that worry. And Lord, even for some of us, I feel the Lord saying, you know, our hearts need to be, show us a new way of living like this. We say no to the narrative of fear, no to the narrative of the world, no to the narrative of you gotta hustle, you better watch, check your shares, check your pension. We say no to all of that. Because Father, you are our source. It all comes from you, it all flows from you. Right now, there are channels of blessing that the Lord is gonna release into your life that you've never seen before. It'll surprise you. New wells of blessing being opened up for you as you position yourself to rest and to trust. And it'll be clear when the Lord's at work doors open and you walk, you have to walk through them. You'll have to put your hand to them. There'll be opportunities that have been blocked so far. You don't see them until in faith and in trust the Lord opens them and then we walk through them. And the result and the fruit of that work will not be work that breaks your back, will not be work that causes you sweat. It'll be work that brings fullness and blessing and a result that nothing else could do other than a supernatural God doing a supernatural multiplication in your life. Do you see that? Does, that? does anyone heart rise when you hear those words? Okay, then just say, Lord, I received that word this morning. I received that word this morning. Why don't we stand on our feet? We're gonna take communion together. Come on, up again. And uh, Alan Chuck's one of us up by. And um, well, get up and shake yourself down. Uh, worshipy people, if you wanna get up and get ready. And um, are you, I'm glad you're encouraged this morning. I feel encouraged, Stephen. Um, I just refuse to live in fear. Do you know that? I'm just saying no to it. It sucks the life out of you. It makes you sick. You say no to it. Because the Lord's not given us that spirit. He's given us a different spirit. So Father, we take this bread in our hands this morning, this wafer, this afternoon, 
Jesus, and we say thank you that your body was broken, that we can be healed. If you need healing this morning, okay, just say, Jesus, thank you that right now you're ministering into my body, into the bit of me that is, is broken, into the bit of me that is dysfunctional. I thank you that right now your Holy Spirit is working through me, working through my body, and I am receiving grace upon grace in Jesus' name. We speak wholeness. We speak healing. We speak turnaround. We speak miracles in Jesus' name. This is a house of miracles, Exchange Church, where the people of God receive the fullness of God and they walk freely and lightly. So I speak over your bodies right now, from the tips of your head, everything in between, down to the soles of your feet, the fullness of Jesus. Amen. So we eat and say, thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you that this morning, Lord, that their every curse is broken. Isn't that brilliant? You know, the blood of Jesus breaks every curse. That means that every bit of thing that comes against you, spiritual and otherwise, it's, a cur- it's part of the curse, but the curse has been broken. It's being reversed. And Jesus says today, just drink and in faith say, thank you that I'm righteous. Because I'm righteous, I'm put into a position of favor. I'm put into a position of safety. I'm put into a position of wholeness. I'm put into a position of abundance. Why? Because his work is enough. Amen. So we drink and say, thank you, Lord, that I'm righteous.